0: Welcome to the off the charts football podcast. I'm Matt Manicherry former NFL scout and now of sports info solutions joined by Aaron shots, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of football outsiders. We've got our producer Justin Stein with us and we have conference championship games just two games this week, but it should be very interesting on, on both sides of it. I don't even know where to start Aaron. Yeah, we
1: go. You when you get down to two games, you go really, really deep inside the two games. And when both games are rematches from the regular season, you go really, really, really deep inside the two games. <laughs> so, right. I have been
0: watching more of these four teams than I ever thought I would. It's, it's like never-ending how, how deep you can go. And I, you know, I guess on the team side, the question is balancing how much you're looking at that previous game, how much you're looking at recent games, and how much you're just looking at what you know about the, the team and the coordinators on the other side to begin with.
1: It's never-ending offense. I don't think there's ever been a year where offense won out over defense to quite the extent that it has in 2020.
0: I have to say, going into the season, I was anticipating that offensive lines might struggle because of the shortened offseason, the lack of player development time, stuff like that. I think in reality, it ended up being that offenses could get it together. And all of the the complexities of defense, I think, have, have had more of an issue this year. And Maybe it's just the rules. Maybe it's just coincidental. But I, I think that might have had something to do with it.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, defenses played a little bit better in the second half of the season than they did in the first half of the season. So, you know, that backs up that idea a little bit that maybe uh, defenses just took time to gel. But in the playoffs, the offenses have been really dominant. And I mean, these are the top four offenses in the league that are the top four final teams. So this is it's probably the best four quarterbacks that we've ever had in the final four.
0: Yeah, really exciting. And, uh, yep, total points has it the same way. The top four teams, uh, in offensive total points earned this year are the four teams in the championship games overall. One interesting thing to look out for, you know, we talked about looking at these teams having played before and how much they'll study each other. The Saints did something interesting, borrowing a play from a team that they weren't about to play against, that they weren't going up against, but that they saw from around the NFL, um, and using it in, in last week's game against Uh, the bucks. So I wonder if there'll be more of that sort of stuff. The deep pass from Jameis Winston is what I'm referring to these weeks. We tend to dive so far into what happened in week six. What do we know about these matchups? There might be just radical uncertainty that, that uh, we should probably keep our head on a swivel for.
1: Well, I definitely think also going back to week six and looking at what's happened. You, first of all, the teams have changed since then, but second of all, that green Bay, Tampa Bay game got so out of hand. But I think it's really difficult to learn anything from it because it's not it's the likelihood that this is going to be a blowout in either direction is very small. So I don't I don't know if there's anything to really learn from that.
0: Well, let's get into that game. Let's start there. That'll be the early game at three o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. The number five bucks at the number one Packers, although who knows uh, how much we should all think that home field advantage really matters in this one. The story on paper is Brady versus Rodgers. It's the quarterbacks like you were talking about. But if you look back, Brady versus Breeze was very much about the Tampa Bay defense. And in week six, again, it was the Tampa Bay defense. That was what half of Rogers' bad plays this season all happened in that game. Something like that. I'm sure it's it's it, I mean, it was completely different from how he's played the rest of the time. A thousand percent. Um, Where do you want to start uh, diving into that matchup?
1: Well, I mean, the difference between these teams, Green Bay is number one right now in weighted offensive DVOA. Tampa Bay is number two, but there's a, a good difference between them. But that difference is made up by Tampa Bay being better on defense than Green Bay is. So these teams end up being neck and neck in our ratings. And I think, and this is sort of my story for both games, I feel a little bit like the road team is being a little bit underrated here. Uh, especially if home field advantage doesn't exist this year, which it seems to have not existed for two years. The other thing that I thought was interesting, Brady struggled against the blitz this year. It was the second straight year that he struggled against the blitz, but New Orleans didn't blitz him hardly at all uh, last week. So I wonder whether Green Bay changes that and whether Green Bay brings the the extra pressure to go after him because the team passed DVOA, for Tampa Bay dropped from 42% to minus 4% with blitzes this year. And the Packers defense went from plus seven to minus 15 when they
0: blitzed. You're talking about the blitz and that's, and you talked about the differences between the teams. And that's, that's really what I look at. I think that these are two teams that are really well constructed on both sides, but I think the Packers have the, they need to blitz if they really want to get home from a pass rush perspective, we've got them just 22nd in pass rush points saved this year, Whereas the Bucks, we have second in pass rush point, uh, point saved. So when you actually kind of look and try to poke holes in these teams, that's the first hole that I find. Really, is the Packers and their ability to rush the passer. How that figures in against uh, Brady, I think, is is a whole different thing. Because go back to Week Six again, you could basically throw it away if if there's another game like that where the where the Bucks are just playing from ahead. Then I'm sure Brady won't throw the ball too much. He'll get the ball out quickly when he does. But I would be surprised if it was that sort of game script again. And what wouldn't surprise me if that's the case is that the Bucs try to actually do some more max protect, try to take some deep shots, try to do some things to take advantage of the fact that they have an advantage from the pass rush perspective.
1: The other advantage that they have, I think, is that Green Bay clearly has one corner who's better than the others. Mm Mm-hmm. And Tampa Bay is very deep at receiver. I mean, very deep. I mean, not just, oh, Antonio Brown is their third receiver, but there's also Scotty Miller. If Antonio Brown, you know, if his injury stops him from playing. And then there's Tyler Johnson. They're really, really deep at the position. So they can go
0: after the other Green Bay cornerbacks who are not Jair Alexander. Just anybody but Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. I could I could see them doing some things that were very different than what they did in Week Six in terms of some mask some mass pr- max protect and some deep shots to anybody that's not named Alexander. I think I think you're spot on when you say that.
1: I'll also point out that if they can get the yardage on first down, they're in a really good position. Tampa Bay was the number one offense in the league on both second and short and third and short, and Green Bay's defense was 28th and 30th in those situations.
0: The money downs, certainly a big deal there.
1: I mean, second and short is great. I mean, second and short is my favorite because if you want to, you can take a shot and know you've got third and short coming up if you don't
0: get it. So, I wanted to flip it around and talk about when the Packers have the ball. One thing that uh, is interesting is kind of the, the story of the run game in this one. So Bakhtiari was out last week, and we talked about how their run game had been affected without him. Um, John Jerry slid over there. They They shuffled the offensive line around, and they had a lot of success running the ball regardless. That said, that's a harder proposition against the Bucks. The, the Bucs, as we know, are one of the best run defense teams in the NFL. I think what they would like to do is try to make the Packers one-dimensional as they were able to do in week six. That's another key thing that I look at is, will the Packers be able to run the ball like they were able to last week? Will they be able to attack the outside zone and, and keep things balanced? Or will the Bucs be able to kind of have their way if they can get to third and long, then they'll be in there too high. They'll mix it up early, but if they can get to third and long, then they'll be in there too high because it doesn't matter, and, and that's a tougher matchup for Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, I, it is really hard to run on Tampa. There's no question, and they might have Vita Vea back for this game. He, came, he was activated off of IR,
0: and he might be able to play, and then that makes running against them even harder than it was before. It'll be a heck of a matchup as far as that goes. All right, anything else that you want to discuss with this matchup? Green Bay's defense, like, you have to look for places where they're good because
1: they've been very average this year. But they haven't been bad. They've just been average. They're top 10 on first down and on third and long. Uh, they're top 10 in the first half of games, but they fall off in the second half of games. Probably some of that is just game script that, you know, even though we do try to adjust for what the score is in the second half, some of that is Tampa, is Green Bay just – they let a lot of teams come back when green Bay had a lead late in games. So, you know, it's sort of similar to Kansas
0: city in that way, you know, green Bay had a hard time completely putting teams away this year. Right. Looking at the splits, when you look at a team like them, it gets funny because a lot of the time they're just, they're hanging back with, with two deep safeties with a lead late in the game and and you get kind of funky stats when that sort of thing is happening. Right. And it's hard to compare it to averages because you'll have some teams that'll
1: play like regular defense in those situations and other teams that'll just hang back and not care as much. And so you can't, like, if you try to adjust things to the league average, you end up not adjusting that much because there's some teams that still play really good defense when they have
0: big leagues. You know, one thing that we should probably mention as far as the, the matchups in this game, um, obviously they won't be on the field at the same time. But I would say the Packers, despite the loss of Bakhtiari, they have an advantage up front. Both offensive lines really built kind of inside out, stronger on the inside than they are on the outside. But as we have found in the NFL a lot of the time recently, that it's, it's keeping that pocket intact. That's really what's important.
1: It's interesting because I looked up the ESPN, their pass rush win rate that's based on the next-gen stats tracking. And Wurfs, who everybody raves about his rookie year, only ranked 30th among tackles, and Donovan Smith only ranked 51st. So if there's a weakness of that Tampa Bay
0: line, it's left tackle, no question. Yeah, there's no doubt about that.
1: The Off the Charts football podcast is free, and if you like free stuff, you should check out SISDatahub.com, our free football advanced stats website. SISDatahub.com has a brand new Game Logs feature, where you can see a selection of advanced stats for each player, game by game. This includes our flagship metric total points. Now you can see how well players have performed at earning points for their teams in individual games over the past five NFL seasons. The free SISDatahub.com is your source for the most accurate and objective football analytics in NFL history. The new game logs are just one of many planned improvements as we roll out new features. Check out SISDatahub.com today and tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS to let us know what you think.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's flip it forward and let's talk about the next game. The AFC game, 640 on the East Coast. It'll be the number two Bills at the number one Chiefs. This is weighted DVOAs, baby, against uh, the, the anointed team. from
1: Against conventional wisdoms, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm sick and tired of talking about this. And, and, and I may prove to be wrong, right? Well, but hold on. No, I don't think you
0: can prove to be wrong. I think it's too late for you to be wrong.
1: Kansas City, Kansas City could win the next two games big, and uh, and 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 I'll be like, well, I guess they did
0: turn the switch on. <laughs> You'll be like, but it was a three-point spread two weeks ago. I don't know. I don't think it would be a three-point spread if, if you were if you were wrong.
1: Uh, I will say that look, Kansas City gave evidence for the flip the switch idea this week. They had their best offensive half of the season in the first half against Cleveland, but. Buffalo is really good on offense too. Like it's not, it's, it's not like, you know, Kansas city's offense is that much world's better than what Buffalo's offense has done this year. And Buffalo's defense is significantly better than Kansas city's defense.
0: I agree. I think this is a a tough game to, if you look at it, if Mahomes is healthy, you might favor the chiefs by six. I don't know, something like that. If he's completely out of there, it's, it's bills by a touchdown easily. So I think Mahomes' health, just seeing that come into focus and how important that is, that that's obviously huge. Do you think that this line moves if it becomes more clear that he will play as we get closer to the game, or, or what do you make of all that?
1: I would bet it would move maybe a point. Right. But I would pick the Bills. I mean, the fact is that even though offense is more important than defense, the, the advantage that the Bills have on defense over Kansas City is enough that unless unless Kansas City's offense is i don't mean as good as it was at its peak 2 years ago i mean if Kansas City's offense is like the 2007 Patriots good then yeah the line should be more than 3 points but otherwise i mean again buffalo is a really good all-around team and they're a really good offense so even if you believe offense is more important than defense and there's all you know indication offense is more predictive than defense It's not like Buffalo is that far behind Kansas City on offense this year. The other thing you have to look at is the defense is not only is Buffalo better on defense than Kansas City, but Buffalo's defense has played much better in the second half of the season. While Kansas City's defense had a lot of problems in the second half of the season, which is why they played all those close games where they never covered the spread.
0: Right. They've had, they've had a lot of issues over the second half of the year. Like we were talking about with the Packers. Yeah, they were playing from ahead, but a lot of times it was Mahomes having to bail them out. It was not like a team. It wasn't the, the chiefs that we thought of in our heads that were actually showing up uh, on the fields and blowing teams out. And and part of that was the struggles on the past defense. When you were mentioning a minute ago about Mahomes uh, and coming back, but still liking the Bills, one thing that I think speaks uh, in favor of that line of thought is some work that Scott Spratt did actually years ago when he was at Sports Info Solutions. Scott Spratt, currently a football outsiders and a former host of the Off the Charts football podcast. He did some work that showed that quarterbacks who came back from concussions actually had a slight decline in performance in their first games back so the sooner they returned after a concussion there actually were some lingering effects you know what the cause of that is your guess is as good as mine but some interesting research that was done there and when you look at that you know this is this is a sample size of 1 that's coming up on sunday but with mahomes coming back just because he plays doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the same mahomes now it doesn't mean that he's going to be a totally different version of himself but it's one reason to think that there might be a cause for concern
1: Right. The same would be the questions about his toe. I mean, obviously, look, you still want Mahomes at 85% over Chad Henney. But, yeah, he might be off a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, for all the, the happy things Chad Henney did, uh, that interception was pretty brutal, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, he still was Chad Henney, even with the 13-and-a-half-yard run. Yeah.
1: I, I want to talk a little bit about the blitz, because I think that's a really – pass pressure is going to be a really big deal in this game. Um, We've talked a lot about don't ever blitz Mahomes. Mahomes is amazing against the blitz. And the Bills did not blitz Mahomes in the first game. Uh, Steven Ruiz wrote it for the win that they didn't blitz him at all. SIS actually marks one play, but it's like a play action where it's hard to guess how many pass rushers really meant to rush the passer and how many were just going after the running back. So effectively, like they never blitzed him. And the opposite, on the other hand, Josh Allen generally improved a little bit against blitzes, but he faced more defensive back blitzes than any other quarterback, uh, which is data that we get from ESPN Stats and Info. And he actually dropped a little bit. He was still above average against defensive back blitzes, but not as good as he was overall. And Kansas City sent defensive back blitzes more often than any team except for Seattle and Buffalo and was pretty good on those plays.
0: Interesting. So we could see some of the some of the DBs, maybe Matthew Sorensen coming off the edge. Yeah, they blitzed Allen a lot in the week six game. One thing that drives me nuts when you blitz a quarterback like Josh Allen with a defensive back is like, can they actually bring him down? Are they actually going to get him onto the ground? Well, That is the problem. And he scrambled. He had four scrambles. They played a lot of uh, they played like 50 50
1: man in zone coverage against him. And against the man coverage, he scrambled four times, three of which moved the sticks. So between that and Kansas City's problems on run defense, I mean, I'm expecting to see a good amount of Josh Allen on the ground. This would be a great game for, you know,
0: zone read options and stuff. Right. And and I think you can definitely anticipate that. Like you mentioned, they've struggled over the second half of the year. They, they disguise a whole bunch of stuff, partially on the strength of those safeties and how smart those two guys are in the middle there. Um, so they'll do lots of disguises. They'll try to confuse him. Um, when you look back at the week six game, Josh Allen on the ground was, I thought, a big part of that game. The Chiefs have faced a bunch of mobile quarterbacks with varying degrees of success this year, but it was Josh Allen who punished them the most that game. Just eight carries for 42 yards, but five of them were for first downs. So he created five expected points added on those eight plays total. Um, It was him running the ball. And like you said, uh, it might be another quarterback run game. When you look at the Chiefs' run defense, certainly you look at that as a, as a weakness. We have them in 29th in run defense points saved. But again, you look back at that game, Singletary and Moss had just 37 yards on 15 carries. And you look back last week, I think it was, what, 20 plays before the Bills called a running play? It's going to be
1: different this week because the Bills, when they played against bottom 10 run defenses this year, they ran the ball more often than they, you, they were very high in how often they passed. But when they played bottom 10 run defenses, which they did in six different games, they ran
0: the ball more. it will be interesting to see which which way that goes. I don't think I think it's really hard to handicap what which way the Bills are going to come out. I'm sure everybody has their guesses for it, uh, including Steve Spagnolo. But uh, I'll be fascinated to see what what it looks like from a design perspective, from from what the Bills try to accomplish.
1: I also think pressure, we talked about blitz, but obviously getting pressure with just four is also important. Kansas City's pressure rate on defense is higher than I expected. It's 29% from the SIS charting, which is seventh in the league. And you know, Chris Jones is super dangerous. 39 hurries was third in the league, but he's not even the only danger on the inside. Tershawn Wharton had 15 hurries. So uh, the Bills' interior line, and I believe that Feliciano missed the first game, and I don't remember if Morse played in the first game or not, but their line is more intact now than it was in week six, but that's definitely going to be tough on them, the Kansas City interior pressure.
0: Yeah, their line's been so good this year. A lot of the, of Josh Allen's success, I think, is just the time that he's had back there, often with just simple five man protections. Uh, Singletary's been a good pass blocker for them this year. But I thought that last week with all of the pass plays being called and no run plays mixed in there, you started to see some struggles from the interior guys there. One thing that the Chiefs like to do that I think the, the Bills, need to make sure that they're careful of is uh, the stunting on the inside, especially stunting to go with zone pressures. So so a zone blitz where you might be bringing somebody from one side but dropping your defensive end on the other side so that you maintain the numbers and coverage. Um, remember that that Spagnola comes from that old Jim Johnson, Philadelphia. That, that's, that's his bread and butter, what he wants to do. If he can get confusion on the offensive line, that's another way that you can go after uh, a, what's still a young team with a young quarterback on the Buffalo side of things.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, word of mouth actually today, the column talks a little bit about trouble that Buffalo had with Baltimore's stunts and twists. So that sort of connects into what you
0: just said. Probably nobody doing more of that than, than Baltimore these days. One more thing I wanted to break down in this one. Tony Romo did some really good analysis of the Chiefs in three by one, specifically with Tyreek Hill at the number three receiver, pointing out the amount of damage that he can do on those deep over routes, getting across the field. Kind of, he was basically saying that it's like running a go route, but horizontally. This game features two of the top six receivers in receiving points earned on deep over routes this year. Tyreek Hill, yes, he's number six. He's got 5.6 points earned on 12 targets. And Stefan Diggs is number five with 5.9 points earned on 11 targets. So look out on both sides. When you see that three by one, or really anytime you have a slot receiver there uh, with kind of a nasty split, tighter split than you would normally see from a wide receiver, watch out for them running that deep over route. Both teams have had success with that this year. For those that are curious, the top four receivers in uh, points earned on over routes, number four, Brandon Cooks, number three was Keenan Allen, number two was Justin Jefferson, and number one was Corey Davis. So um, look out for that. And also look out for the deep over in the Bucks game. Gronk has 12 deep over targets this year. So that could be a route that we see over in that NFC game too.
1: I know the part of that was the idea that if you get Hill as the inside man in the three by one, you can have him up against Sometimes linebackers, you really want to avoid that or safeties. The Bills have pretty good safeties, but you still don't want them covering Tyreek Hill.
0: Right. It, it's part that it's part that anytime that you have one high defender on the backside, right, on the on the one receiver side, if there's just one high defender over there, that guy coming across the field is, is, is a weird alert. It's something that's become really popular in the NFL, but that's a tough adjustment as a defensive back, uh, especially if you're playing in cover three over there. Like you said, if it's a man matchup and you've got him against a linebacker, you can forget about it. That's toast. But even if you're doing things where you're trying to play a little more in and out, which you'll see, the Bills will will certainly mix things up there. It's difficult from a man-to-man perspective, but in a zone perspective, it's also a big pain in the butt.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much the Chiefs mix the man and the zone and what the Bills do. The Bills were mostly zone I believe this year, the Chiefs were kind of high in man coverage. They played 40% man coverage,
0: which is actually one of the higher rates. in the. Yeah, league. if they stay in man this whole game, then you look out for Josh Allen running again. A little bit of a, but he's been great throwing the ball against man too. So, you know, Stephon Diggs has transformed the matchups that they have on their one receiver, their two, their three, and their four. The bills out of 10 personnel are also very difficult to to reckon with.
1: Yes, I was running numbers, actually, and especially, by the way, not only were the Bills really good from the 10 personnel all year, but in the Week 6 game specifically, they had 7.9 yards of play from 10 personnel compared to only 2.8 from 11. And Dawson Knox, who's their normal tight end, was injured. Uh, But I don't think that that's the main reason for the difference. And some of that is just, you know, you're looking at only one game and that's not going to repeat itself in this game. But it kind of backs up the idea that the 10 personnel that really spreads out the defense and brings in six defensive backs and is, is really good for Buffalo because they're really deep in
0: the position. They bring in Gabriel Davis. I mean, once you can stretch the field with uh, Smoke Brown in addition to Stefan Diggs and then get people like Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley working underneath, it's a, it's a scary group that they've got.
1: Right, or you can move – Gabriel Davis could go deep too. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know, one way. It can be the other way. Absolutely.
0: All right. We will look forward to these championship games, and we will have a very special episode next week. In the meantime, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for all the support. Please keep the five-star reviews coming in, especially on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter. You can follow him at F-O underscore A Shots. That's A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. You can find me at Matt Mano at M-A-T-T-M-A-N-O. Sports Info Solutions is also on Instagram and YouTube. You can check us out there. And footballoutsiders.com has tons of great content. What should the listeners be checking out this week, Aaron? Film room on the Bills offense against the Chiefs defense. Uh,
1: Scramble for the ball on how this is the best foursome of quarterbacks that have ever played in the conference championship round. Uh, And our big previews going up Friday morning from me
0: and Scott Spratt. I'll be doing Buffalo, Kansas City. Scott is doing Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Fantastic. I can't wait to see those um, on the sports info solution side. You can check out the free SIS data hub by visiting sisdatahub.com. Check out the game log features, and you can also get a free trial to the pro data hub through there. The pro data hub now has playoff stats included a recent update that just went live. Um, another thing you can check out on sharpfootballanalysis.com, I wrote an entirely too long piece about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and his future with the Dolphins. So um, if you want to check that out and get my thoughts at least on where they'll go, whether it's in the draft or not, or what, end up, what ends up happening with Tua, uh, you can check that out. There's going to be a, a lot of quarterback movement and interesting things going on this offseason. Yeah, suddenly it seems like people are retiring. That's just one aspect of the movement and the the musical chairs that'll come. All right. For my co-host Aaron Schatz and our producer Justin Stein, I'm Matt Manicharian. And thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast.